0: Welcome back to Arab American Psycho. My name is Noor, and I am beyond excited for this week's guest. You guys, you have no idea. She's a Palestinian designer of the namesake brand, Mira Adnan. Welcome to
1: the show. Welcome, Noor. So, so excited to be here, honestly. like I'm just overwhelmed. It seems a bit surreal. <laughs> I'm so
0: flattered. The honor is truly mine. So when I asked Mita to come on the show, she was like, I listened to your podcast. And like, my first reaction is like, just true shame. Like, oh my God, she's heard all the ridiculous things I've said. This is a person who I respect. And now she thinks I'm a ridiculous person, which I am a ridiculous person. You're not wrong.
1: But I mean, like the coolest, like,
0: yeah. The The coolest ridiculous person. Yeah. I like that. I'm here for it. So Mita is currently living in Gaza. And she's one of the people that during the almost two week long attacks, she was the account that I was following for updates to share about what's happening. You were basically a news reporter,
1: essentially. You, you literally did
0: the job that no one else was willing to do.
1: Yeah, I mean, like for me, it was crazy because usually like when something happens, I, o- I also like, like using my Instagram to, you know, express my political views and talk about things in general, not only fashion. So usually like when something happens just like this, I feel like I'm so angry. So like everyone needs to know what's happening mm-hmm. because I'm just, I need to let it out like that's like what i'm thinking it's healthy yeah i just i need to let it out like i need to scream it to the world and then suddenly i got a lot of following and i was like okay like this is serious like i was surprised and i felt like a little bit of responsibility and i got like insane amount of dms of people asking me about the situation donating Mm -hmm. um people were worried like sometimes they're like mira you haven't you haven't posted anything in like in the last couple of hours like are you okay and i'm like you know it's it's, it's a bit yeah. weird but i feel like i felt like i felt like someone as you said like someone like a true reporter just you know saying everything unfiltered um sharing everything happening all over this trip so it was it was a bit of responsibility and it was uh, like very emotionally draining because sometimes during i can't even you know, imagine yeah sometimes you're like you're so it's so heavy like everything happening that you just you need to just shut everything down you you don't want to like you know be attached to your phone but I was attached to my phone and at the same time it was so hard to sleep this time because like most of the explosions and the bombing and the airstrikes there they were happening like uh during the night and they were super loud so there's no way you can sleep and this time it was like they were trying new weapons and um, bombs so it was so terrifying um, so I felt like and I was checking on my friend because the bombing was happening all over the strip so I was like on WhatsApp groups you know with like family members, friends just you know checking on them like okay where was the was the last bombing? Yeah it was a drone, no maybe it was an F-16 I think you know it just it, and that, that sense of um, of like uh, collective uh, solidarity between like me and my family members or my friends, it gives you just you know a little bit of comfort, like you're not alone. So um, it removes a bit a bit of the fear, but it was a lot of fear. I mean, like like when when like when the F uh, thirty five you know started bombing everywhere, and it's like like sometimes it, reach, it reaches like fifty strikes in like few minutes, and I'm just ducking on the floor in the alley of my house and I have my nieces and nephews and I cannot even like hold them because like I myself, I'm too terrified to move. Like I felt like paralyzed. And I remember just my mom trying to, you know, comfort everyone. And she herself, like I could look at her and I'm at my dad and I see that they're scared. Like, and like, we're not usually used to, you know, um, like my parents being scared during these times. They're, They're usually more put together and more grounded, but we're just like, the bombs were so, so heavy and loud that at, I remember the first night started was in Ramadan and they started bombing at 6 a.m. And, I, and I, it was like an hour after I fell asleep and I, I woke up so terrified. Like I was just waiting for the bomb to, you know, to to destroy my house. Like I was like, you know, my time is cut. Like it was just, I was like, I, I felt like I just, felt that you know this is my turn you know this is how it's gonna end it just and then when it when it stopped it just that sense of relief that that you were I was just praying that hopefully it's gonna stop for at least an hour like I need like please make it stop this is all I was feeling and and I'm someone that like during the uh past aggression in 2014 I used to work as a translator so I literally, I used to come home at 11 p.m., you know, there there were drones and F-16 and I didn't care and I was just rushing home, uh, like driving the car. And I and I was more grounded and resilient at that time, I feel like. But this time I feel like I fell apart, maybe because now I'm an adult, like I'm 28, almost 29, and I feel like, you know, when you always speak about that, um, since of morality mortality mortality. this is how I felt this I feel like you know you you feel like you're getting older and
0: uh, yeah it just you just you everything feels a lot more real and and you you pointed out a few things that I wanted to just kind of bring attention to which the first being that this these recent attacks they were using weaponry and 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 different types of missiles, like it was not the same as before. And it's it the way you were talking about like you being in a group chat with your family trying to decipher what is that? Because unfortunately, living in Gaza or living in Palestine, you're familiar with what this type of bomb sounds like or smells like or what it feels like. And that is the same exact conversation that was happening in my family's group chat, which is what is this? It smells different. It sounds different. Mm -hmm. And just them trying to identify what is this bomb that's coming down and, and the fear that you experience this time. I also think because of this new weaponry, because of all of these things that have happened and it just, I can't, I can't see how you wouldn't be completely terrified. I mean, it was Even for me, and I'm not there, I was in a state of like fight or flight for that period of time. So I can't even begin to imagine what it feels like to actually be hearing it in real time and and, and have to kind of keep it together to a certain degree because you have your mom there, you have your dad there, they're a little freaked out. And like, as a child, you're used to not seeing that. So when you see that, you're like, oh shit, they're scared,
1: I don't want to... I don't want to add to that. Yeah, and you feel like, okay, this is really scary. If my parents are that terrified, then, like, this is bad. Like, And, like, the thing also, I feel like we always have this urge to, you know, to know what bombs are they, you know, they're using because, you know, a sense of familiarity during these times, anything would just comfort Absolutely. you a little bit. And it's crazy because it, it's, you know a drone missile would kill you. And if 16 missile would kill you and artillery shelling is going to, like everything is going to kill you. But like, just to know it gives you this like fake uh, sense of relief, which is so um, psychologically fucked up. It's probably PTSD it's probably anxiety. All
0: of these things, because not in any way saying that these are parallel, but that's how I feel when I am in an airplane. Cause I'm scared of airplanes now. And, but just knowing what kind of airplane I'm on, How, who the pilot is like weird shit like that gives me a sense of comfort. And it's, it's a result of anxiety, PTSD, all of these things. Like you hold on to, you grasp onto any information possible because this is a situation that is out of your control. It's out of your hands. And like you said, like the bombing will stop and then you're like just praying that it doesn't, that you get at least an hour of peace and quiet. And I'm sure you felt a sense of relief during when the ceasefire was announced, but Also, I think for a lot of Palestinians, especially Palestinians living there and Palestinians who are living around the world, we all know what ceasefire means, which is fucking nothing. It means nothing. It just means we're going to stop like for right now. But it's it does not mean that they're like, oh, we're going to pack up
1: our bags and we're going to leave and you can have your country. Yeah. And even like the borders, the borders have been closed for since the ceasefire or even before, you know, the borders that are like between um, the Israeli side and Gaza, the ones that um, like you enter goods and products and everything, they've been closed. So a lot of like you go to the supermarket and like a lot of stuff are missing. And when you go to talk to any shop, they tell you like we didn't get any new um, inventory. And like people can start suffering really, really fast because most of the, you know, the economy is really fragile as it is. Um, so sure. you feel like okay, we stop. This seas- is like we stop bombing every day, but we're gonna go back to killing you slowly. So like we're gonna kill you anyway, but like you know now we're gonna do it slowly. We're gonna switch it up. Yeah. We're gonna like and, and it's so.
0: What's been the most eye-opening part about the recent attacks is that because there was this unprecedented attention around Palestine in a way that none of us have ever seen before Yeah, true. and like being for me be, living in America and hearing my friends talking about Palestine, I was like, what? Like you care, you know, like it was, it was such a weird time for all of us and to see it on social media and people are talking about it. And it's like, people are paying attention. People are talking about this. But at the same time with that came a lot of realizations that, People have no idea what is happening in Palestine. And I'm talking about educated people who I know, you know, consume the news. You know, they're adults and they just genuinely, I think I mentioned this before, but I have a friend who's one of the smartest people I know. And she literally was like, I thought there was Palestine, a country where people were living happily and that there was Israel, people were living happily. And then between there's like a thing called the Gaza Strip. And they're just fighting over the Gaza Strip. And I was like, what the actual fuck are you saying to me right now? Obviously, no judgment. But like when she said that, it was an eye-opening experience that even intelligent Americans don't know what's happening. And that was a big kind of moment for me to be like, so we need to start from the very beginning. We need to break down what is going on, because there's no way to fully digest what's happening now without knowing that this is an ongoing thing. This isn't new. This didn't just happen. This has been going on. It's affected you. It's affected your mother, your grandmother. Like It is a generationally experienced shared trauma and shared oppression and all of these things that Palestinians have been going through for decades. And I want you to be able to Help people yeah. really understand
1: what it is to live in Palestine and, and that experience. Um, so I was listening to your last solo episode yesterday, and I felt like there were a lot of points that I felt uh, very like, uh, like very like I really related to them because even though like I'm here and you're there, and like the different backgrounds and everything, but like when you when you were talking about the fact that. You know, you were avoiding talking about Palestine usually because you feel like, like you feel like there's no point. And I always feel the same. Like when I travel, like you know, I'm like, I don't want to talk about it. Like it's pointless because you feel like there's nothing that anyone can do because we've been let down so so much, and you feel like everyone has made the struggle into something that's very complicated, although it's like very simple. Like it's insane. Like people. Like it's so simple you know if you if you read the history it's so simple and you feel like people always make it complicated so i don't yeah i always feel the same like no i don't want to talk about it you know i don't want to get into a discussion like fuck it like yep, you know no and you you don't want to hear stupid shit also. also yeah 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 exactly you you don't want to have to debunk like stupid opinions that are like you, it's insulting you know? Exactly. It's insensitive and it's just viewed in this way
0: that like, oh, that's poor Middle Eastern country, so sad. Wow. Well, like, nope It hasn't always been like that. Uh, you know, it was it was actually
1: not like that for a very long time. Yeah, and, and when you talked about the US being like like the source of all evil, like, yeah, this is it. Like, it's so sad. We're the bad I, guys. Yeah. We're the bad guys. It's true yeah. like like for me like You know, without um, the aid that the United States have uh, given Israel all these years, it wouldn't have existed. Like, the amount of, like, like, you know, the Zionist lobby in the U.S., how much um, influence they have, it's crazy. It it cannot be, like, I cannot even imagine uh, to think how much power they have. And it's all because of the U.S. And then you talk about, you know, other Middle Eastern countries, and it's the same. You talk about, you know, the post-colonization of Africa uh, through uh, just, they they made them people without, like, they took their well they gave them, like, independence, and then um, they still control everything. Like, you don't have, like, you know, the, um, the usual colonization, um, let's say, model of, you know, just going and entering a country and controlling everything, but they still do it from abroad. Uh, France and the UK and like the US does the same in Latin America they control a lot of economies and a lot of businesses and I feel like yeah it, it makes you feel like there's no point the white guy is just you know it's just ruining ruin everything. Just really excited to just always share his very
0: ignorant opinions. Yeah. Just Always just ra- waiting around the corner to yeah. just fucking walk through like, hey, did you say something? Let me tell you something that makes no sense. Yeah, yeah, Let me yeah. just tell you something stupid just, just because I need to say something. Yeah, and I the audacity is just... That's what I'm saying. It's, it's this hopelessness and, and all these things, but I think that also as I'm getting older yeah. and as I learn more in a way, it feels less hopeless Yeah, because you start to understand that if we can somehow get people enough people to care yeah. and make enough noise about it, they will be left with no choice. Mm-hmm. And I mean, if we just look at the way, you know, other states that were under apartheid have, I mean, that's what it is. It's just people knowing and people caring. That is the pressure. That is the pressure that I believe once applied enough will force them to have to do something about it because that's just—I mean—they don't want to do anything about it. But if we're fucking annoying enough yeah. about it, they—they're gonna—they're gonna have to. So it's just really a case of being really whiny and insistent. I feel like, which yeah, sounds also
1: so—just
0: <laughs> being super insistent and—and and just tying back to that's why I feel so much guilt for not wanting to talk about it previously yeah. because I feel as though I wasted time that I could have been talking to people about and educating them and, and giving them resources with just being like, you don't fucking know anything. I don't want to talk to you about this. Like, and I, and I've dealt with too much disappointment when trying to talk to people about this, that my fragile emotions don't want to
1: handle that, which is, now that I think
0: about it, I'm like, you're such a dumb bitch, nor what the fuck. No, but, you, I totally it, Nick, but I totally get
1: it. It's not easy to talk like about these things, especially that I feel like we, as you know, people of color, when we dis- discuss these matters, we get super emotional. And it makes us look like we're like in the wrong, but we're right. We're We're too emotional because you feel like, how could you not understand like basic human rights? Like, Why does it have to be happening in your white, perfect world for you to get it? Why? Like you always feel inferior and it's so, so emotionally draining. So we're always emotional. Like sometimes we cry, sometimes we cannot handle a discussion because it's just too much, you know, and it touches home. Like I totally
0: get it. Yeah. And you're so right because as soon as you get passionate, as soon as you start getting even a little loud or emotional, People immediately are just like, "Oh, you're you're losing. You're yeah. losing the argument." But it's like, no, you're just very stupid, and it's difficult for me to continue having a conversation about something that I feel so strongly and passionately and emotionally yeah. connected to with a
1: stupid person like you. That I might cry. Yeah. I might. I might have they to cry. with like women's rights. You know, when you talk about misogyny and sexism and patriarchy, they always say, "Um, oh, you're such an emotional feminist." You know, like why are you yelling you know you need to tone it down and you're like women are dying you know i remember i read something this morning it's about like why we always uh, like focus on like children uh, being killed in palestine and it says that because when you're a guy when you're a boy and you're past 16 you're like you're a threat so no one cares if you die and it's like yeah we dehumanize palestinian in general but men like They always say, yeah, um, okay, so women died, children died, but no one talks about men. It's like, you know, it's like they're so dehumanized, it's crazy. And I look at, like, my brothers and I look at my, like, uh, my father and my uncles and I feel like this pressure being put, even from people who are pro-Palestine, you know, you have to be macho, you have to be strong, you cannot cry, like during funerals when when you're a guy and like your dad just dies or whatever, you know you don't ha- you can't cry. you know this this toxic masculinity also sometimes applies to men, um, and I feel like this is what the occupation does. This is what even like the Arab regimes do as well. Um, they try to break uh the men. I think a lot of people almost want to paint this
0: picture of Palestinian people as like you know victims, right, yeah. Which which I will say, victim does come to mind because you guys are being victimized. Mm -hmm. But there is so much more to it than that. And I think people really forget that these are human beings who have aspirations, who have hopes, who have dreams, who deserve all of those things because who the fuck doesn't? And they are just constantly having obstacles thrown at them and they constantly, you just, it's a constant overcoming of obstacles, yeah. always having to be resilient, not because you just woke up and you're like, I just feel like being super resilient. It's draining. It's exhausting. No one should have to live yeah. that way. People, and so
1: it's People just, think it's a choice. That's the thing. When they, they no. say like Gazans are so resilient, like what other choice do we have? Like it's either there's no choice or like nothing. I mean, like you have to, you have to live. Like once the seas, uh, fire was reached, like the next day, um, it was a Friday. I, and I, I didn't have the ability to go out and see everything. It just it was too much. And then on Saturday, I forced myself to go out. And you see people are just going back to normal life. And it's like, they don't have the privilege to take a second and just, you know, just take it all in people have businesses that they need to go to because, you know, there, there was COVID before and then came the war and it's just, they don't have the luxury to take things just slow. And people cannot understand that. Like, I wish I could have the luxury to just, you know, take a, take a week off, not do anything. But it's like, you have to keep going, to keep going. And this is like, you feel like it became so normalized that when you say, you know, I can't, like, like, I, I remember I said to my mom, like, the other day i was like you know i am, i've been feeling really down after the war and i just i'm like when i go out when i see my family i feel like i'm not like in the mood of talking sometimes i just i, I stay silent and it's not usually my personality but just i feel like it's everything is so heavy and she doesn't she didn't understand what i'm saying because for her it's like you know we have to, she said you know what they usually say like when it comes to death Um, like our parents would say something like, or like, you know, um, we're all going to die someday. (laughs)
0: Palestinians are the most emo people. Uh, Understandably so. But like my mom literally during the war was like, I wish I was in Gaza. So that I could die in my country. I'm like, you need to relax, lady. We need to not be doing this right now. I simply can't, I can't deal with it. I'm sorry that you, but it, and we laugh about it and it's, and it's weird and it's funny, but it's a learned behavior. No one is born into this world and says, I'm ready to die. In fact, it's, it's the opposite. But because of the circumstances for just for being Palestinian living in Gaza, you are not only always prepared to die, but in a way it's kind of like this hope in a weird way. I think for a lot of the older generation also, which is like, if I die, I will be removed from this hell that I'm living in. So why would I not want that? And this isn't to say that these people don't love their families. That's not, that's not it. It's, it's a way out. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a it's a way to escape True. the fucking hell that they're living in. And that's why like when my mom says it and when I hear you, you know, you even saying that your mom's like it breaks my heart because I'm like I can't imagine constantly just being
1: ready for it and okay with it. And you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, Exactly. Like- they're so okay like you become so okay with the fact that you're gonna die. It's like I don't know if it's like a coping mechanism, but like I remember, like whenever there is an escalation or like a war, I, like this time for example, I was so pissed I, at myself because I was afraid. I was like, "Mira, this is not like usually you're like you're ready for this. Like, okay, so you're gonna die. Like, okay, it's fine, Yani. You know, it's fine." And like. And and I'm trying like to rationalize it. I'm like, okay, you know, maybe you're going to die. Hopefully you're going to die with your family. Everyone is going to die together. No one is going to stay, you know, alive on their own because that's also like it happened to some families. And when you think of it, like a lot of families, they always stay in the same room just in case like, you're like we're, we're all going to die together. It's better. No one's going to be left alone, like literally alone. And sometimes you laugh about it, but it's like, it's so fucked up and it's such a weird coping mechanism, but you, you don't have control over anything. So, like, at least you're trying to train your mind to normalize something as heavy as death. And not only, like, normal death you're talking about. Like, you're, you're waiting in terror to die. So, yeah. But, but, I mean, yeah. We've learned this behavior.
0: Watching your stories throughout the war and seeing what you were saying reminds me of... The things my mom says. And, and that's why, like, I'm sorry. And that's why, like, I I kept probably annoying the shit out of you. And it's probably why I kept asking if you were okay, because I remembered all the things my mom would tell me she felt during those attacks that she lived through. And I could see you and you were trying so hard to be strong because you feel like you have to be strong. Yeah. And I just really wanted to tell you, you don't have to be strong. But I'm like, I'm not telling this girl what to do right now. That is not what I'm about to do. I'm not going to tell this girl, be like, you know what? You can be sad. That's not, you know, I'm not going to be that bitch. But I just seeing how how vulnerable you allowed yourself to yeah. be, unfortunately, as it progressed, yeah. I almost felt a little sense of relief for you because I was like, she's letting herself feel her emotions and that's not what how that's not the norm that you're supposed to do you're supposed to just be strong and be tough so I was kind of like okay good at least she is feeling yeah her feelings and and not suppressing them and not trying to just pretend like oh no I'm a fighter I'm from Gaza I don't know if you saw me post it my dad always says like Palace people from Leza have the heart of a lion. Yeah, yeah, they have a heart of a lion. There's nothing like people from Leza. My dad is the most like Lazawi guy you'll ever meet in your life. He is just like, No, don't. Because I would be like, Bob, I'm so worried. Don't be worried. They're fine. But it's not a dismissal of yeah, it. Yeah. It's like he knows his people. He's like, They have survived shit before, they're gonna survive this go sleep in your comfortable bed and shut up. Like, you know what I mean? Like he was just like, what are, what are you upset about? And I just, I'm so glad though, that throughout all of this, that you were gaining people following you. Because like I said, I think it's really important for people to hear it directly from the source, directly from someone who is living it, who's experiencing it. I don't know why we're running around, letting other people speak on the behalf of Palestinians. I'm not really sure why that's, A thing. I mean, if I hurt my knee, I don't expect you to ask my sister how my knee is doing, you should probably just ask me how my knee is doing. So I think that, in a way, it was, it was really that hope started kind of picking up, unfortunately, throughout the war, seeing the amount of people who were sharing what you were talking about and and caring and 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 feeling and and all of these things that i think for so long people have been desensitized when it comes to places in the middle east to just kind of accept that this is their norm and maybe feel bad for a second and then keep moving in their life
1: true i remember um during the war they bombed like something like just in front of my house and then I was freaking out that they're going to bomb it again. And I and I called my brother. He was upstairs because his room was upstairs. And I called him like, come down right now. They're going to bomb again. It's going to be crazy and let's hide, blah, blah, blah. And he was like, I want to take a shower. And I was like, do you understand what I'm... And I was yelling. And he was like, but I want to take a shower. Oh, my God. <laughs> and i'm like not, not, just <laughs> and, like i
0: can't yeah
1: and, and i was telling my dad like why are you staying so close to the window come inside come to my room my room is the safest room in the house he was like mira it's fine like you know nothing's gonna happen and i'm like and i felt like i was the crazy person but i mean they reach a point where they they cannot let themselves feel that fear because i know my brother for example that Um, his, uh, supervisor doctor at the hospital, he was killed and his his entire family, I think only his son, um, was rescued and he's still alive in the, um, in the hospital, but he was so affected by that. Like, because you know, there's some, there's like this person that you see every day, like a normal doctor and then he's gone and he doesn't like, he, he only like, he lives only a few blocks away, like in the middle of Gaza city. Yep. And he was so depressed, and I know, but it's not easy for him to express his emotions like most Palestinian yeah. men. Yeah. Um, but I feel like, yeah, I think that shower thing happened after because he reached a point where, like, you know, you just you can't dwell in it because it's, like, it's too much, so you're just going to be, like, in denial or, I don't know, just another coping mechanism.
0: And just trying to suppress yeah. the emotions and because there's like you were saying earlier, there's no time, like there wasn't like the next day where you just were like, I'm going to have a me day. I'm going to have a self care day. I'm going to relax. Like you, that's not, that's not something that you can just do. You have to get back to work. You have to start, you know, you have to start living your life again, because if you don't, that you, it's not even that's the thing. I'm like, if you don't, I don't even know because it's not an option, yeah. and I don't know anyone who lives in Palestine who has ever done that yeah. because it's just it's not an option. This isn't the first war you've yeah. lived through, unfortunately. This isn't the first time you've experienced immense violence from Israel. This this is this is the reality of Palestinians, and this just happened to be a lot worse yeah, yeah. than. The average,
1: yeah, yeah, you know, you feel like each, every day each each aggression is just more vicious. It's never like right. better. It's always more vicious. And I remember I was during the war I was sitting with my uh, sister-in-law. She was vid- visiting uh, with my brother from Switzerland, and like you know, she's coming from Switzerland. This is her first time in Gaza since 2013, with her uh, baby girl and a boy. They like they're German and they don't know like. It's, it was it was so intense and i remember we were sitting uh, on the bed and i we were watching a video that we uh shot like 10 days before and we were like damn we were so happy complaining about corona and curfew and like look like where we are right now and we were just laughing like just you know hysterically laughing because you think what yeah. what else are you gonna do yeah, yeah and you feel like yeah maybe i should have like uh, appreciated that moment more. Maybe I should like. You feel like you're always living your day, just day by day, minute by minute. You have to appreciate everything because you have no clue what's gonna happen tomorrow. Like anything can happen. Um, and I feel like it's crazy to just. We're always on edge. Like I, I'm. I'm someone that was diagnosed with general anxiety disorder like <clears throat> a few years back, and I'm still on medication, and. Um, the amount of like, I already have my normal anxiety. That's why when you were talking about planes and all of that, I feel like, I know anxiety is so, you cannot explain it because you feel like it doesn't make any sense. Um, And you know that it doesn't. Yeah.
0: You know, you know it doesn't. And you're like, why are you doing this? Stop doing this. You know, this makes no sense. Why? Like it's, it's just a constant inner battle within your
1: brain. Exactly. Of just like, I'm scared and being like, shut up. Why are you scared? I remember that like, um two years two years ago i was supposed to travel um just for like a month literally just for a month to turkey for business and i and like on the day that i was supposed to travel i had like a, the, the worst mental bra- breakdown and i felt like i was gonna not see my family for so long also it's a month but because it happened before like each time i travel to study or work usually like I didn't know where I'm gonna when I'm gonna see my family again, so I feel like I developed that separation anxiety. And I remember that I was like, like I was crying so bad, and my mom, like I was just sitting on her lap, like she was reading Quran, just trying to calm me down. I'm like, Mama, I know it doesn't make sense, but I feel like I'm gonna be away for years. I know it's gonna, it's just one month, but I cannot control. And I and I didn't travel that day. I was like, fuck it. I just I physically can, and I feel like that with everything happening right now, like since the ceasefire was reached every single night, I dream about bombs, F-16 running, hiding with my family, people dying, seeing, and I've seen that before, even like in 2014, like I've seen so many dead bodies. I feel like I was so numb that I didn't feel anything until the the war uh, ended. And I feel like once everything ends, you still, you, these emotions come up again and I feel like, in a way, like during the war, I couldn't sleep because of the bombs, and now I don't want to sleep because I don't want to relive it again in my you don't dreams.
0: Want to think about
1: it. Yeah, yeah. And like, you don't want to dream about
0: it. You don't want to think about it.
1: Yeah, as as like this is just a, a, like yeah, like this post-traumatic stress disorder just doesn't end. It just doesn't it's like continue because it's constant. It's not even post. Yeah, it's just and 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 the fear I think
0: that you have of traveling and not seeing your family, I. I'm not trying to make you feel worse about the anxiety, but it's a real, it's a valid fear yeah. to have because I have cousins who were able by some miracle to leave Reza for either school or work. Yeah. And there has been several occasions where, when they've tried to come back, they can't come back. Like it, it the, the, I also think that people don't fully understand that like, traveling in and out of Gaza is not like any other travel anywhere else in the world. Like, it's not like, oh, you just get a visa and, and you're good to go. It's like, it's, it's a whole like ordeal. And like, even, you know, to, to travel somewhere where you have all the the documents that you need, there is always a risk that, you know, you're going to come back and it's going to be someone who's, doesn't like you, which is always, yeah. and he's going to be like, no, fuck you, go away, bye, or we're going to hold you here yeah. until we decide at the border. We'll decide whether or not we'll let you in. Basically, we're going to make you sit on the fucking floor for 10 days yeah. for no reason, just because we can. Yeah. And and
1: do you, can you talk a little bit about what that process is like to so, enter? An yeah, idea? yeah, sure. So, okay, so to try to break it down just a little bit, Gaza Strip, I think it's like, it's only 1% one, one percent of historical Palestine. So it's like a very, very tiny place that was controlled by the Egyptians from 1948 till uh, 1967 because um, it was closer to the Egyptian side, like geographically. And the West Bank was controlled by the Jordanians. And then after the war in 1967, uh, um, the Naxa, uh almost like West Bank Gaza everything was controlled by the occupation by the Israelis. So they were like physically inside of the West Bank and Gaza Strip and they were there. Um and then they were yeah and then they were responsible like for for example, education, uh health, everything they were they like the Palestinian didn't have any government. Till Oslo occurred in nineteen ninety four when Israel reached an agreement with the PLO that we're going to let a Palestinian authority be responsible for the Palestinians in the West Bank and Gaza Strip. Uh, But Gaza Strip and the West Bank are geographically separated. So Gaza is like, it's it's surrounded by Egypt, the sea, and the Israeli side. So there's no connection to the West Bank or any Palestinian territories. So we're always been separated, and it's very, very tiny and small. And we have IDs, you know, the Palestinian IDs that are, you know, it says that this is, Hawiya. yeah, the Hawiya, and it says like you, yeah, like this is a Gazawi Hawiya. So you cannot go anywhere in the Palestinian territories, unless like with them, um, like something like a miracle happens and you get a permit to visit for like half a day, for example. Yeah, you know I mean, but other than that, you you can only like see Gaza Strip, which is like very very tiny and small. And in Gaza Strip, two million people live. Seventy percent of these people are refugees. So people that fled uh, during the Nakba, like my grandparents, they fled to literally a tent in the middle of Gaza Strip, and then it became a refugee camp. And my parents were born there, and this is how it is. So like I'm I'm a refugee from my like from both sides. Like seventy percent of the population of Gaza. So that's why Gaza has a lot of refugee camps, a lot of. Um, people that are very marginalized because, you know, in the refugee camp, like, for example, my grandparent used to work in agriculture in El Lod. That's like near Ben Gurion here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he came to Gaza and you, he, cannot, he cannot work in agriculture. There's nothing else that he knows how to do. So he started, you know, uh, for example, he worked for a little bit, you know, fixing shoes and then he tried, he was selling uh, some clothes and, you know, he was just, you know, just trying to survive. But in the refugee camps, everyone is marginalized because this is not your place. You you literally fled from from somewhere else, just someone, exactly as someone immigrating from one country to another. You know, uh, especially if it's basically being uprooted. Um, so now we have two million people living in 30, 365 kilometers. So like literally, Gaza Strip is so full, and just you know, buildings, building, buildings, because there's no other place to go, and um, we're control. We have two borders: one with the Israelis, which is basically for patients, the one that are lucky enough to get a permit, um, and another um, like medical patients, yeah. and another one. And usually, when they give you a permit, you're like you're almost gonna die, you know. Like I mean, when my grandma lived in Gaza, she was in her
0: 80s very sick but she wasn't dying so they wouldn't let her in yeah so like that's what I'm saying like I and I tell people that they're like what do you mean I'm like yes they would not let my elderly grandma go seek medical treatment unless she was like on the brink of death and even still they're probably not gonna let her in because I'm like oh she's old she's gonna
1: die anyway and then maybe sometimes they let you in but they tell you you cannot like no one can accompany you so you have children, like my yes, my, my yes. cousin, my baby cousin, she had a brain tumor. Um it was diagnosed really late and then they they didn't let anyone from the family go with her. And she was suffering alone in Jerusalem in the in the hospital with no one and she's she was five years old with a brain tumor. And oh my god. And I remember like uh people from like people we know from there, um they used to go and visit her and she would read the Quran. Like, hold her head and read the Quran and try to comfort herself. She's, like, five. Like a five-year-old. Yeah. A five-year-old. Because she, she doesn't have her herself. mother or her father or anyone she knows around her, which is super scary. And it makes even treatment more pointless at this point. Because, you know, it's all about having the right uh, psychological status. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And then she, went. She she like, her case was so hard and she got, like, really, really sick. And she came gas and she was in a coma and she then she died. And it just, when she when she came to Gaza, she wasn't even awake for her parents to be able to talk to her or even say goodbye, you know. And it just, this is just one case of so many cases of so many people um, just dying in the strip because, you know, Israeli wouldn't allow you. They, they had this, like, game. I feel like they're always trying to psychologically manipulate to, to, like, give you just a little bit of hope. Just, you know, to fuck with you. Or maybe, like, the way, you know, they sometimes, you know, call you, tell you to evacuate, you have 60 seconds. Just, this is psychological warfare. This is not, like, a... This is just a tactic. Because I remember that I was always, like, since, I think, the aggression in 2008, like, whatever the phone rings, I would freak the fuck out. Just just another psychological tactic, just to make you on edge, like, 24-7. You're always on edge, you're always ready to leave, you're always just, you know, ready for something to happen. So it's not, like, a courtesy... Like for them, you know, because as like I always say, they don't they don't wanna just kill you. No, they want this land to be unlivable. They wanna make you so miserable so you would leave and never come back. This is how they like this is how it is for them. It's not about killing you. Killing you is easy, you know. But no, they wanna make you suffer, they wanna make you miserable, they wanna make this place so 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 miserable that you know, after the siege, like so many young people because of the high rate of unemployment and this, and the insane economical pressure, like so many young people, uh, you know, started doing drugs, for example. Um, So many of them, you know, used to go to the borders, try to, you know, throw stones, wishing that they would be killed because for them that would be just, you know, they would, I mean, it's not suicide, you know, you were killed by the Israelis, but I mean, like you're a murderer, but for you, you just want to die like literally you can you can talk to them and they tell you yeah like we don't have anything to lose we don't care anymore like you you see a guy with like a, a respectable uh university degree you know someone who's smart and everything and he cannot he cannot find anything to do he cannot even like you're talking about even like you know the the the, the random jobs like you know if you want to be a waitress or you want to work in a bakery or whatever even the you cannot find such a job you cannot like you cannot make enough money just to, like to to buy your own needs, and th- this is how they kill you. They kill you slowly because you feel you reach a point where you're so hopeless, you became just very neutralized even in the struggle. You cannot you cannot feed your like yourself. So how would you be able to resist? And this is why you know the siege has been so 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 like so incredibly bad because aside from the economic uh you know consequences they also cut you culturally from the entire world so you feel like you know even we as people you know the the community and the society it's no longer as strong and grounded like it used to be because you you cannot travel no one can enter Gaza Strip everything is hard you know um getting like, like the smallest thing, like you have to think about electricity going back home when there's electricity because you have to do the dishes or you have to uh, do laundry. And like these small little things that would stress the living shit out of you on the daily. And then you have to think about feeding your kids or about like finding a job. And most of them, like almost 60% of the people in Gaza, they live on a pay- payout. So during the war, all, like imagine 60% of the population, like they didn't have food at home, and it just—it's—it's it's like it's an endless cycle of just making you miserable, just fucking with you, you know. Like you know, and the thing is, their tactics are so
0: outrageous that I have found in my experience when I mention things to people who have no connection to yeah. Palestine, I can see on their face the doubt. Yeah. I can see on the fa- their face like a what kind of conspiracy theory is this? And it's like, no, this is just, unfortunately, I I get why it's hard to believe that a human can be this cruel to another human. Unfortunately, this is the reality. It's not a conspiracy. It's not, uh, you know, uh, anyone being dramatic. This is unfortunately the reality. And the sooner we... All are able to see it, accept it, believe it, the sooner we can maybe possibly actually have something change. And I think that's kind of the most important part. It's like, we don't just want them to stop bombing them. Stopping bombing them is step one. Yeah, exactly. But like, giving them their rights as Palestinians who are indigenous to the land. Is also like kind of I would say important. Mm-hmm. I I would say. Just maybe, you know, maybe something that someone might want. And like for me it's 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 confusing because not only am I Palestinian, but I also am a human with emotions and feelings, which I'm starting to realize people are lacking. But even just two days ago, three days ago, my fire alarm in my apartment building went off. Okay. Just a fire alarm saying, fire, please evacuate fire. And it's like beep, beep, yeah. beep. And it wouldn't turn off for like an hour. I was irrationally, not only angry, but I could have cried. Like if someone just said the wrong thing to me, I could have started crying. And all I could think at that point when it turned off was what if that was like just a bomb, not a fire alarm, but I know that I'm safe. I know it's a test. I know it's not real. I know there's no imminent danger. Yeah. No. And even that was like too much for my mental capacity because no one should have to live like that. Human beings are not built to live this way, which is yeah. why human beings have rights and 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 we have to stand up for these things yeah. because it's not like an earned thing. It's It's a, are you a human? Awesome. Cool. Yeah. Rights. Here you go. No matter where you live, these are rights that you, and it's, that's why it's so confusing that anyone could possibly in any way that's the root of the not wanting to talk to people about yeah. it. Because how the fuck do you not yeah. understand? Like, like literally, like, how do you not understand this? Like how how can I make you understand it? And then after a while it's it's frustrating because it's like, why do I have to spoon feed you very simple information? Yeah. Why? Why do I need to get your attention with a picture of a baby crying because her family is dying? Why? Why do we have to do these? Why do I need to keep showing you traumatic images of people over and over and over for you to even maybe, maybe care for even one minute? Why is it not enough to know that there are just in Gaza over two million people suffering under occupation? Just
1: in Gaza. That's not the that's not even accounting for the rest of Palestine. Yeah. The other the other shit that other Palestinians go through, yeah. And that's not even accounting for
0: all the Palestinian refugees all around the world who till this day live in refugee yeah. camps. Yeah. And that's the other thing. It's like, oh it happened seventy three years ago. They're fine now. No, there is refugee camps in lebanon right now where there are palestinian refugees who fled because of the first Nakba in 1948 they're still and there they so marginalized
1: it's crazy
0: what do you want these people to do what do you want them to do you want them to lay there and die just lay there and die is that is that okay are you it's created to be this impossible situation but in reality it's there's a simple solution yeah. just maybe even caring for one minute, you will be able to see that there is a simple solution and that there is a very clear oppressor in yes. the situation. And I, I try to refrain from constantly telling my family in Gaza people I talk to, like you who live in Gaza, like you're so strong because I also feel like it's, you shouldn't have to be, but genuinely, truly, the thing that comes to mind so much is the ability that you have to developed to tolerate this No one should have to be doing this. No, no one should. And and it's not even just an expectation that's put on you. This is an expectation that's put on a a five-year-old. Yeah. 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 It's hard to wrap my mind around it. And that's why I'm like, I've been trying to talk to different people who've had different experiences as Palestinians to maybe allow people to see that you are a human being, which I don't know why we need to tell people this. It's a reality that is happening Right now, yeah. and we have the ability to say something right now yeah. and all the time to everyone we talk to. We have this ability. This is
1: the least anyone can do as yeah. a human being. To talk about it, just to talk about it, you know, this is, to, uh, to, to acknowledge it, like, like something is wrong.
0: I did want to ask you yeah. though, because, and this is even for me,
1: yeah.
0: what's like something about living in Gaza that you feel like people aren't aware of or wouldn't think of or just like what's something that we wouldn't know from you know consuming any form of
1: media i feel like um during the war it was a bit surprising for me to get messages about like from people telling me you "No, know, how can we help you get asylum like in this like european country or whatever like why don't you leave like they're they they do not get that this is why sometimes I, I hate to categorize this as a humanitarian issue because we don't want to leave like this is my land and and I know like for so many people they don't have the privilege to leave for 95 like 95 percent of Gazans, they don't have the chance to leave but I feel like even still people would, like a lot of people would want to live here they just want to live here with dignity live a normal life, but they don't want to leave this land. They don't want to leave their families. I mean, like I remember when I was born and raised in Saudi um, because my dad used to work there. And and then we came back to Gaza in 2004 and I was super excited to go back home. Although that I know it's crazy. And like we used to visit almost each summer. Um, and I we, we used to stay in the refugee camp with my, in my grandparents' house. But for me, I was so excited because for once I felt like I'm going home, you know, like I'm going to be home and um, I'm going to be around people that speak like me, look like me. No one would, would, would tell me like, you know, you're a foreigner. Um, There, there's no expiration date to on my residency. You know, this is my place. Like these are my streets. These are my people. And I felt that sense of belonging is so, so essential to any human being. That's why people, who are forced to leave uh for whatever reason. They always they're always missing something, you know. Um because you know, you, you need to you need to be home. Everyone deserves to live back home. And it shouldn't be like this. You don't have to it shouldn't be so horrible for like people of color especially to, to have to leave their countries to seek a better life somewhere else. I know that for a lot of like for example, your parents and my aunts and uncles living abroad, they're they're like They so want to have the choice to go back, but it's so hard and complicated.
0: I could call my dad right now and be like, hey, Baba, if I could tell you, let's go back to Gaza right now, what would you say? Of course, like there's no matter how much trauma they endured living in Gaza, there's no negative association in their mind with Gaza because that's their home. That's where their family is. That's where they... They, they saw their grandmothers. Like, my mom is originally from Gaza. She's not a refugee. Yeah, yeah. She's from Gaza. I know that Al-Khadi yeah.
1: is originally from Gaza, yeah.
0: Yeah, so, so my dad is Al-Khadi. My mom is Rashid. Ah. Yeah, 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 My mom is Rashid, yeah. So my mom is the most Ghazawiyah lady in the world. Her family is from Gaza. My dad's parents are from Gaza, but they did not... When he was born, he was born in Gaza, and then they lived somewhere that's like maybe 30 minutes away. I can't think. It's like a small village. It doesn't exist anymore. Karatia. Do you know Karatia? So that's where my dad was born, but my grandma was from Gaza. So she went to Gaza to give birth to my dad and then went back. So then my dad told me for the first time ever, oh yeah, I was a refugee for like two years, but it's not a big deal. I'm like, you've never told me this? Like I'm 32 and you're just now telling me this? And it's because he's like, it's nothing. It's nothing compared to what other people are experiencing. Yeah, that's the thing. They
1: all like like today i was talking uh with a taxi driver about you know you know everything that happened recently and and he was like yeah but thank god like we're lucky we didn't lose anyone like we didn't lose anything like alhamdulillah i'm so grateful like they are always like like they they think that like they don't even count the psychological trauma it's like that's it doesn't count that's not real you know if you do not lose anyone if you do not lose anything your house is fine your like your family's fine khalas he... It's all good, you know? And when I
0: talked to my parents about what the reason was, what was the main... Because they both of my parents left Gaza for college, and then they came back. Yeah. And then they went to go get higher education degrees, and then they came back. And my dad lived in Gaza. My first sister, my oldest sister, was born in Gaza. <gasps> oh, yeah. They lived there. But the problem was is my dad worked at the hospital, yeah. and he wasn't making, even as a doctor, yeah. enough money to financially support his family, which his... He wanted to su- yeah. be able to support his mom, his dad, his younger siblings, his, yeah. my mom, her, like he, cause that is the Palestinian way. If someone has a job, they're yeah. going to help their family. Exactly. That's just it, the, the way that family units function in Palestine. They are a unit. They are one. Yeah. They are all one moving unit. So when one of them is having success of yeah. any sort, it's immediately, it's a given. It's yeah. not a question. It's a How much money am I giving you every month? That's what it comes down to. Like literally my dad was like, I get my salary immediately. The first thing I would do is go to my parents' house and make sure that they're not, that they're not needing for anything. And So my dad moved because he needed to make more money to support his family. That's what it was. And, 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 you know, they've lived their lives all around the world. But when you really think about it, they're not, this isn't because they're, they want to just like, you know, enjoy culture. I'm sure they do but they, they want to be in their home. They want to be around their family. My mom hasn't seen her sisters in years. Like she, she, it's not, it's not normal. Like it's not a normal situation. It's not like people just woke up and decided to leave. It's like they're at the point where if they have to leave, it's because they have to leave. No one wants to leave. And it's because not because they have like some suicidal dreams, but it's because like, This is their fucking home. That's like if someone came to me right now and told me and my whole family in Florida, get the fuck out. I would not be like, you know what? Bye. Let's go. Come on, guys. Like, I would be pretty upset about it. I would be pretty annoyed about it. And I'm not indigenous to the land that I'm in. And I would still feel annoyed about it. So I can't. That's what I'm saying. Like, am I Palestinian? Absolutely. But I'll never fully understand that experience because It's just, there's so many elements and so many layers. And, you know, I saw a video the other day talking about those young boys and I've seen it before, but they're like, we can't go back to the beach
1: anymore because
0: their friends were
1: killed. I remember remember that day, they were killed right, like, you know, that beach area is right front uh, of the area where international journalists stayed. And I remember that they felt like, you know, how much arrogance the Israelis have to be able to do that right in front of journalists, like international journalists, like they don't care. You know, they targeted the boys directly, like they were playing football on the beach. Um, and I remember that we always used to sing that Fairo's uh, song, Kanil Abulullah, like the, the boys were playing. And I well, remember exactly. I went, because I was working as a translator and I went to uh, to the homes. And seeing their families. And I remember I went to the, um, to the cemetery. And I remember, I remember it was like, a, a small cemetery on a hill. And then it, like, you have then the sea, like, underneath you. And it has this beautiful, like, it's such a beautiful view. And I remember that there were four kids, like, they put each, like, two, every two, uh, sorry, each two kids were put in one, um, what do you call it, like, like a grave. Yeah, in one grave, yeah. And uh, and I remember that we went there and I just... How much of the other kids were traumatized. And they said, yeah, we cannot go back to the beach because it just now it's, you know, it's it's so psychologically fucked up. Uh, like they were just bored playing on the beach. And then, you know, someone with a drone decided, you know, let's kill these boys. Hey, And that's the thing in Gaza, the one kind of, Fun
0: thing, yeah. I guess you could say, yeah. is the beach, yeah. and the one and the one thing that most people can afford. The more I learn about the beach in Gaza, just genuinely, I'm filled with so much rage. Like mm. it wasn't too long ago that Palestinian men who were fishing were shot, yeah. just for accidentally they crossed what they weren't allowed to go any further. Basically, there there's borders even around. and Even sometimes, the water.
1: like they decide to shoot at them, just you know, like. Because
0: they,
1: yeah they, they're always so marginalized especially like the fishermen in gaza it's mm-hmm. insane because anything can happen which gaza is a fishing city yeah that's yeah. that's
0: what that's their that's always been what it is like they are they're by the water so they would catch fish and they would sell it and so it's not only that they're targeting these people they are taking their livelihood yeah. away again yeah. in another way it's like you so many of you are fishermen by trade that is yeah. what you can do that is what is available to you yeah. we're going to take that away too we're not going to let you fish yeah. but we're going to let you fish in this small area which means you're not going to catch as much yeah. fish which means not as many people will be able to eat which means you won't be able to support your family and
1: it's just like this constant and, like, and even then like that's why like the fish prices are so high so not like only a few people can afford it and we live yeah. on the beach like like it's, it's, it's just it's so fucked up you're not allowed to enjoy these things
0: it's everything. And, and that's why it's so hard. I feel like sometimes for me to explain it to people, because I'm like, you don't understand. It's everything. Yeah. Every Think of everything you do every morning. You wake up, you take a shower. It's not the same as yeah. me just going in my bathroom and taking a shower. Yeah. It's just not. I mean, I was talking to my aunt the other day and she was like, yeah, we had to boil water for the kids. And again, I just want to reiterate, like that literally means boiling water on the stove and putting it in a bucket to try to make it warm enough for a small child to be able to bathe. Mm -hmm. That's just like a simple, small thing. The electricity also, I just assumed everyone knew this. Apparently people don't know this. People in Gaza, at the most, I would say is four hours
1: a day of electricity. Sometimes. Would you say? Yeah. Like the good days would be eight.
0: That would be like. Oh, wow. That
1: would be Eid, you know? When it's like eight hours, that's like, can't ask for more. (laughs) Every
0: step of your day is an obstacle. No. It's not like there's just this one obstacle. Exactly. It's like like every single thing. Oh, you want to go to school? Oh, you want to get an education? Oh, you want to have a job? Oh, you want to have a life? Oh, you want to get, let's say you want to get married. You want to have a baby? What if you're having a complicated pregnancy? All of these things, it's, it's everything. And that's why it's at this point, it's like, I guess we're going to just have to talk about it all the time. What we've been doing before hasn't been working. I wish there was like one thing that like, as a Palestinian people, we could do, but we can't.
1: We have to hope that other people will. That's another thing that, um, for example, you know, how much the, the PA, the Palestinian authority is so, so corrupt. The point, like one of the tactics that they they like they like did in the West Bank and Gaza before the siege is that they made uh, getting loans so much accessible for people. So people would just, you know, forget about everything, forget about the struggle, these daily things, and would just, you know, it's easy. Now I can get a car, now I can get an apartment. And then what the, BA, the PA did in the last few years, they decided to cut the salaries by 30, 40, 50% and then there's a percentage going to the loan and then what you get at the end of the day out of your salary is like 20% only to gazans to their gov- to their employees in Gaza and it's just like it's so many fronts that we have to, to 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 like to resist and you know when you were talking about fishermen last year there were uh three fishermen from Gaza that went there was like it was a windy day so they went straight and uh, the sea to the Egyptian side. The Egyptian army killed them. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it on the podcast right now. Someone sent me
0: something the other day like, look, Egypt <laughs> wants to give Gaza money. I'm like, I can't stress this enough. No offense if you are ethnically Egyptian, but fuck Egypt. True. There's a word in Arabic. Again, Arabic's not even my first language, but there's. How do you say Khawana in English? I don't know. Traitor, traitors. Yeah. yeah, they're traitors. Like, they're not.
1: They don't give a fuck about Palestinian people, and they and also like they made like in the last couple of years, you know, like when you were talking about borders and getting in and out. So, I forgot to mention that um, the only way you can leave is through Rafah border. So you cross the borders and you take a cab or a bus to Cairo International Airport. That's the only way. So what the Egyptians have been doing for the past, even like before before the siege is that okay so you have to cross the borders mostly you'll have to pay a, to pay a bribe i remember oh, at some for sure. point oh for not even just one bribe Yeah, you got a bribe no, and you know, at some people. no it became a business for, like at some point i remember the borders were closed for so long i have i had friends that had to travel they paid $5000 each just to cross the borders and then you have other things to pay for but just to cross the borders and then still and then still, if you registered, for example, and, and your turn came and you did not have to pay a bribe, like the Egyptian will return e- every single guy over 18 just for him to be able to pay a bribe and travel. So even if you registered and you waited for months, nine months, and finally it's your time to travel, still you wouldn't you wouldn't be allowed to, and then they would return you. So you can pay a bribe and then travel. It's
0: not even just like... My mom, who's an elderly woman, when she used to go to Gaza, yeah. she would travel with her hawiyah instead of her American passport only because they wouldn't ask her for as much money. Yeah. Like literally, truly, like it was like a, it was like her scamming tactic. <laughs> yeah. She's like, I know what the fuck you guys are going to do. So I'm going to scam you because once I see an American passport, you're like, oh, so I can get even more money out of you. And that's why I will... You know, I, there's a list in my mind that every morning I wake up, I say, "Good morning, fuck Saudi Arabia, yeah. fuck Israel, uh, fuck Egypt." Like, you know, it just—it's my everyday yeah. mantra. I wake up and I'm just like, you know, fuck all, fuck Canada. You know, just really, truly, there's a whole ongoing list of my daily fuck yous, and Egypt, Egypt yeah, is yeah, up there. Yeah. Egypt, Egypt <laughs> is up there on my fuck you list because, you know, it's one thing to Decide with an oppressor, but it's a whole other thing to be an Arab country. Yeah, who pretends- and your neighbor,
1: like your your fucking neighbor, like like sometimes like I remember when I came back from I used to study in the UK and I came back for the like after a year and a half to Gaza, and then I remember like they were so shitty like checkpoint each like few kilometers and I'm like I was just checked like there's nothing that I could have bought or got like. In like I don't know half an hour, and you know the Egyptian soldier like he told me straight up, we're doing this so you would never want to come back home. And, was, and he was laughing. I was like, really? And I told him, you know, the worst thing that ever happened to us is being neighbors with you guys. Like literally, facts. <laughs> literally, fucking facts. Like anyway Like it would. Have they are bad. Zionists. Yeah. It's
0: like it. And I'm like the the the, the Egyptian government, if you want to call it that. They're just. They're fucking, they're with the Zionists. Just movement. puppets. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I remember like that. E- oh, I forgot to say, fuck the United Arab Emirates. I forgot. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I forgot. And I remembered <laughs> and I had to say, yeah. fuck UAE, fuck Dubai. Yeah. Fuck, fuck, fuck you guys. Yeah. Okay, sorry, carry on. I just, I forgot. And it's important.
1: We gotta. Now, now, we now, to they, now they're up, like, even before Egypt, you know, they're do- like, there's no words. Like, there's actually no words. Some, like, I don't know, like, Sometimes it's just it's so surreal that there are no words to say. So yeah, I was talking about like the Egyptian border, like so after um, that was in 2016, and then when I when I came back home uh, in 2019, I remember, and it was after a year and a half when I was abroad, and I stayed for 72 hours from Cairo to Rafah, which is a six-hour drive. And they made me stay for 72 hours in the middle of nowhere. Literally no water, no food, no toilet, no, nothing. Just, just stranded in the car in the, in the middle of Sinai desert and being checked every few hours. And it was cold. And it just, I remember like the way that they would, you know, check your stuff, they would get everything out. Like literally like on the sand, on the floor, on the sand, you know, in the desert and they would like, yalla, get it, get your stuff back together and just move on. And I'm like, like you, like I can't, like you just like, like it's unpack my entire suitcase. Yeah, and like, it's like you know, they're throwing everything out, and you have to. Sometimes you have to yell at them, you know, because so- when they see you being defensive and polite, they would take it further. So sometimes, like, yeah. you have to fucking scream, like, no, you, you're not allowed to do this. And sometimes they try to, con- you know, confiscate whatever they want. Like I remember the last time I had my Fuji yeah. camera, and he was like, "I'm gonna throw that away." And I'm like, "Why?" And he said, "Because we're not allowed to 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 carry that to together." I was like, "When was this announced? Like, is there a paper, an official paper? Like, I want to yeah. know." And he was like, "No, I'm just, you know, this is the order." And I'm like, like, and I remember like so many, so many laptops, so many phones were thrown away, and they would burn it in front of you, just to piss you off, just to fuck with you, you know. And I'm like. Like the worst sometimes the worst than the occupation, like literally worse. And there's no fucking explanation to that.
0: People who want to feel powerful. Yeah. And they want to feel like they're in control and they, they're greedy. They wanna make some fucking money. Yeah. And they have no sense of loyalty, uh humanity, respect kindness, respect, nothing. And it doesn't matter who you are, like I said, my mother is an elderly woman. An old little woman who's like five foot one, tiny, cute little sweet lady, and they're still gonna fuck with her. It doesn't that's what I'm saying, it doesn't matter who you are. Yeah. If you are a Palestinian, you're not, that's the thing, you're a target to Israel, obviously, but you're also a target for all the people who are reaping the benefits of Israel. Because let's not forget, Egyptians aren't doing this for for fun. They're doing this because they need to you know, suck off yeah. Israel yeah. so that they... Yeah, I mean, that's 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 what's happening. That's that's literally what's happening. They are monetarily benefiting from it and also they're fucking scared. They don't want to piss off Israel. They're like, look, we're protecting.
1: See where we're helping you. Like, don't be mad but at us. Like you feel like they're going extra. Like, sometimes you feel like they're doing say, things that Israel is not even expecting them to do. It's like, you know, they just want to do them a favor. Like, it's... I don't know. It's,
0: it's it just... It's insane. And it's disappointing because, you know, and I think a lot of people also, you know, wonder this well, why aren't the Arab countries yeah. helping? Because, you know, they're rich. And, you know, I tell them simply, they don't care about Palestinians. They care about money. Yeah. And Palestinians aren't going to make them any money. Yeah. And so they don't care about them. And that is the reality of the situation. And that's why I say this a lot vote with your wallet. I will never go to any of these countries in any capacity, and I will call. And I've had so many people say, "Nora, you got to stop saying fuck Dubai. You got to <laughs> stop saying there. You know, like you can lose job opportunities." I'm like, "Good, awesome, great. I don't want them." Yeah. So it saves me time from writing a cunty email back saying no, thank you, and fuck you. It's embarrassing that Arab countries behave this way. It's a whole other issue yeah, in yeah, itself, yeah. and that's the thing. And like, you have
1: to. Ex- and you have to also explain that to Arabs living in these countries, like you have to. If you I, don't know. Yeah, yeah. Although it's so easy, like I don't know, it's so easy to figure out, but you still have to teach them and educate them.
0: I'm literally a dumb bitch who lives in Florida, and I know. Like I, this is what I'm saying. I'm like, I don't understand what is happening here. Like you just have to, like it genuinely, truly. Like I was talking to a friend of mine who's Iranian; she's yeah. Persian, and she was. She's very affected by this. Yeah. Very deeply affected because also Iran has been fucked by Israel too. Yeah. And so she's like my 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 parents fled because of this shit. She's like she feels so deeply and it's it's moments like that finding other allies and other people who do care because either they've experienced something similar, they know someone, and that's what it comes down to. Mm -hmm. Like I have South African people messaging me constantly saying like South Africa is with the Palestinian Mm -hmm. people because they they experience apartheid firsthand. They know what it feels like. And so it's unfortunate that it has to be the people who have also had this shared experience for anyone to care, but every fucking privileged bitch walking around living her life, it's easy for them not to care it's easier for them not to yeah, care Yeah, because exactly. i feel
1: like at the end of the day just you know white settler colonial powers and as a white person i feel like they're incapable to understand colonization they're like literally incapable you know i had a friend
0: tell me the other day i feel like lately you hate white people and i was like Here, let me explain it to you because my initial reaction because i'm an asshole is to be like yeah you want to fight <laughs> What's the problem? And I was like, here's the thing. Do I hate every white person? No, of course not. I'm being hyperbolic. But you are a white person. So you've lived the experience and and you've had a different experience than me in so many ways, even as simple as me saying, hi, my name is Noor. I'm from Palestine. Just that in itself, introducing myself is 10 out of 10, a terrible experience. What's your name? Nora? Nope. Noor. Noor. I can't say the R like that. You're. It's really exotic. I can't say it like that. No, no. You could try Noor. No, no, no. Uh, like, shut the fuck up. You can say Daenerys Targaryen with no problem. You just, I'm not saying you don't have problems. I'm just saying your problems, relatively speaking, are a JK the same way my problems, relatively speaking, are a JK. Like,
1: there's levels yeah. in life to privilege. And, and, and to, be, to know that you're privileged is so essential, regardless of what yes. you do about that, but just to know and to acknowledge that you are privileged. That's it. And especially for
0: those living in America, I'm like, I especially don't know how you don't understand this because we've seen the way black people are treated. Yeah. We've seen it. We've all seen it. No one in America can say that they haven't seen it. We've seen it. We see it still. It is a continuous thing. We fucking know. Why are we acting like this is so hard to understand? We know what the fuck is going on. So it's it's definitely important to have these conversations. And I'm going to continue to have them. And, and I've had a lot of followers, especially by white followers, which I'm glad they understand that I don't hate them. But they're having these conversations. Yeah. And it's so important that everyone is talking about this. And then everyone is... Not only talking about it, but trying to learn about it because at the end of the day, let's say, let's say there's nothing that anyone can do. Yeah. People deserve to be seen yeah. and also for like their struggle. Like, And that's another huge thing. It's to be going through living under Israeli occupation and also simultaneously feeling like no one is paying attention or caring in itself is already fucked up. Yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely. And I feel like I was surprised by the amount of understanding that I've got, even from white people, like I felt like mm-hmm. you know, this generation is woke. Like they get it. Even when I share like sometimes things that I would think as controversial, I feel like no, mm-hmm. they understand and they see through the bullshit. And I and I feel like for once, you know, you know it, that the Israelis they didn't allow uh foreign journalists to inter-gaza during this aggression and that was the first mm-hmm. time they did it and I was like, you know, fuck you guys, you didn't you didn't let them in. but now we're the media you, yep. you gave us even more power, and I yep. feel like yeah, once you reach people, like once they see the unfiltered narrative the unapologetic narrative they can understand you know, we, we should give them more credit because I feel like now people can truly understand, I mean, these new gener- generations are different and I feel like that's, it gives me a lot of hope.
0: There's so many other things I want to talk to you about. So basically a hundred percent, you're coming on the show again. <laughs> and I also feel like we didn't even get to talk at all about your brand, but I'm going to make sure to like link everything. Thanks. I am really honored that I was able to talk to you and have you on the show. And I can't wait for you to come on again. And also like, I'm coming to
1: Redza. Yes, Listen, please. You guys
0: all heard it here for, I'm coming. <gasps> it's happening it's going to happen. Yeah. Israel is going to be pissed, probably. I don't know what I need to delete all of my social media. I don't <laughs> even know. I'm not sure. I'm going to have to take on a new identity.
1: I'm not sure, but it's really, really been nice to, to talk to you. Same. Like, truly. like I mean, I remember like hearing your uh, the first uh, episode that you did on skincare. And I was just taking notes because, like, two years ago, I didn't even use, I didn't even use to wear sunscreen. And right now. You wear sunscreen now though. Yeah. yeah. You do? Yeah. Now now I'm obsessed with skincare. Like, you know, I I, I was just listening to episodes, you know, taking notes, googling shit. And now I feel like, you know, you're, you're like, you're like the source, you know, when I want to, when I want to discuss skincare. (laughs)
0: Not me about to cry for the second time in an episode because your compliment, listen, I need to do a new updated skincare episode yeah, for please, sure because please. I, I've done I've taken it also to the next level <laughs> now now we're now we're just being crazy um I think that that episode I recorded right before I turned 30
1: yeah 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 yeah, yeah. The, there was nothing to be scared that of there guys was a solo episode that you did in skincare which was really nice and yeah. then there's another one that you did with I think the Charlotte yeah 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 yeah
0: which by the way, she's pro Palestine. And by the way, Charlotte, if you're listening to this, she sent me four plants for air purifying my apartment, because she did it. She felt so helpless. She wanted to do something. She empathized with my pain. And literally, she just has my address sent me beautiful plants for my home. And it's acts of kindness like that. Like literally, I couldn't I couldn't believe it. I could I I like there are good people yeah, in the world. Yeah. There are good people in the world. And Charlotte, she's the one of the co-founders of the skincare brand Do. She's dying to try
1: um, the the eye
0: the eye mask, the eye, patches. Yeah, the eye yeah.
1: patches, yes.
0: I used I use them this morning. I use them all the time. Listen, I'm going to talk to her and see how how we can get those to you because <laughs> We all we all know that the Zionists they want you guys to die, but they also don't want you to thrive. Yep. they don't want you to have reusable under eye masks that are sustainable. <laughs> That's not what Zionists want. Maybe the skincare community you, you is need to be the ones yeah to you, you
1: need to do a video about like um, makeup and skincare brands that are not problematic. Yeah, please do that.
0: I will try, <laughs> but there is a lot of problematic. Can I just tell you something super fucked up though? So I get sent stuff for free. And there was a part of my brain that was like, I should email the brands to say, Hey, like don't send me stuff anymore yeah. because fuck you. But I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to take it. And I'm never going to post about it. <laughs> I'm an asshole. And you know, I find little ways to fight back. Yeah. And this is one of my ways that I'm fighting back. It's like, Oh, you support this. Cool. Keep sending me shit. No, no, yeah. keep sending, keep sending me. I'm not going to use it or talk about it. And um, I'm just going to give it to people in shelters. So <laughs>
1: Like, that's
0: awesome. You. Yeah, like literally fuck you guys. Um so, I'm just a petty bitch, but genuinely I I I'm really happy that you came on the show and I want people to be able to know how they can follow you because
1: you're you're an amazing designer, you're an amazing person. Man, I'm the biggest fan. I I wrote like I wrote a a review on I think a <gasps> podcast app like months months like a really nice review. You should read it. <laughs>
0: first of all thank you second of all i am about to cry again
1: man i'm so honored like this is my favorite podcast like literally not joking you know like for like i love it i'm so happy and by the way like you deserve to be like on top of the charts because you're doing such an amazing job as a like like as a host and as someone like you, I feel like you're very dedicated and such a perfectionist in choosing your guests and just you know, curating everything. I feel like you know, this podcast is like a really, really, really just top notch.
0: I love I've I'm gonna t- take this sound bite and I'm just gonna like post it <laughs> everywhere. I'm be like, hey guys, look at you might want to check this out, but seriously, thank you so much. <laughs> thank like you so you're much very, for very having me. And,
1: like, yeah, and, and, and we're gonna do another podcast just to talk about skincare because what, when I saw you um, using the Westman Atelier, the uh, foundation stick, I let my friend who came from uh, abroad buy me one and I'm obsessed. And I'm, and now I'm obsessed What's with the it? brand. Like it's too expensive. And I'm like, I don't know. It's,
0: it's so expensive, but genuinely, truly, I, I got the bronzing contour stick and I have it on right now. I wanna buy it. And like, it's, It's really hard to find a good bronzer for my skin tone that looks natural. And I hate how much I love their products. Like, and not even like, it's just, I love the formula. I love the packaging. I love everything. It's so well thought out. And I will say they, I I was, because I love the brand and I'm a crazy person. I did want to, at one point I was like, I kind of want to message them and just like see what their feelings are like on Palestine. (laughs) But I'm like, but how does one, how does one ask that? But I will say during the resurgence of BLM, they're one of the brands that I had messaged to be like, Hey, it's important for you to vocalize your support. And the social media manager responded back to me. She's like, thank you so much for saying this. I'm a black woman myself. And we are working on putting something out. It just has to go through like the process of Instead of just releasing some bullshit, yeah. like, you know, black box type shit, they wanted to put something out This more. So um, I have a feeling that we don't hate them. Yeah. I have a feeling, Inchallah. but, you know, I, <laughs> we I, don't want to hate I'm them. like, I might have to, <laughs> why don't, we don't want to hate you, Wesley, we like yeah. you, um, but where can people follow you, Mira, online? Where can they shop your brand? Anything you want to plug? Um,
1: so I have uh, my brand's account on Instagram is Mira, M-E-R-A dot. Adnan which is A D N A N dot label. Um that's on Instagram and then I have the website, miradnan.com. Um and then my personal account, but that's a little bit messy. Uh so we'll leave that out. And yeah, we like messy, we like messy <laughs> We, we, everyone who listens to this
0: show is, yeah, is ready yeah. for the messy. They're, they're, they came for the messy. Yeah. It's what they want. Genuinely, truly, they're like, we know, no, you're not okay. We know none of your guests are okay. Yeah. No one here is okay. Everyone is just a fucking mess. But uh, yeah, Mira, and I'm gonna so release.
1: Uh a small uh, summer collection in, Ju- in yeah. July. So hopefully people are going to like it. So yeah, we'll see.
0: Hell yeah. Okay. That's what I want to hear. Um, and I will have everything linked in the episode description. As always, guys, you can follow the podcast on Instagram at Arab American psycho, where you'll see a beautiful picture of Mita and her beautiful skin. And um, you could follow me on Instagram at Nori, where You know, I'm just screaming at the top of my lungs about Palestine at all times. I'm one step away from getting uh, my car painted with a Palestinian flag. So we'll see what happens. And um, as always, wear your sunscreen. (sighs) Floss your teeth. Don't be a fucking asshole. And let's, let's fucking free Palestine, guys. Come on.